Welcome back, loves. Thank you for tuning in or streaming or downloading Blooming Out on WFHB 91.3 FM in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm Melanie Davis. And I'm Justin Robertson. And I'm Cal Demery. Dang, with the bass voice, Justin. <laughs> Always. Wow. Uh, we have uh, we have a little segment that's coming up later uh, where we had interviewed Devin May and a couple of uh, actors from the Laramie Project, which Stages is putting on right here in this here building uh, at the Waldron. And um, that's going to be opening tomorrow. And, well, we'll talk about that later. Um, but they're so special tuned. guests. Mm-hmm. And uh, other than that, how was your week, everyone? It's been so long. It has been <laughs> it's, a long. It's week. midterms for me, and I'm 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 experiencing grad school midterms for the first mm-hmm. time because mm-hmm. I was keeping afloat, and then they gave me the prompts for my essays, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> this is grad school. This is what people complain about. I get it. Okay, this is what Chat GPT is for." <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Nobody does that. You didn't experience that before with it. I have this nice undergrad major where I was really, really interested in what, what I was doing. And I never was someone who found school or essays really difficult. So it wasn't the same daunting fear that I have now for this essay. That's the prompt is a page long <laughs> and it's asking basically it, it's, it's a museum curating class and it's oh. saying, Okay, how do you combine uh, creatorship expertise, but also being approachable to audiences? Because you could just write a paper and slap it on a wall and call it your exhibit, or you can make something that's actually interesting for audiences. Mm-hmm. But you you lose things when you combine bind the two. You lose historical accuracy. You can uh, you can. It can cause subjectivity in like your audiences. Mm-hmm. This is getting really niche. <laughs> no, it's, no, no, no. Um, sounds like you're writing your paper already. I mean, that. It, it's, you, you talk it out, this. talk it out, talk it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, there's a whole lot. Of, and then we have to talk about like what truth is in subjectivity mm-hmm. in the museum. And that's really confusing. And that's also like asking us to talk about galleries. And I'm not a gallery person. Like I am a, only a museum person. What do you mean? What's the, I mean, like art galleries. Oh, okay, so <laughs> there's such a backlash against art galleries right now. Yeah, I've noticed that within our profession. You know, mine well, is a museum every, as well. A lot of people in my program, like pre- like faculty wise, are all art based. Oh, so yeah. and then the, but the job options are museum based, right? <laughs> well, it's important to understand both of them. Oh yeah, I I totally think so too. I'm just I was very caught off guard by that thing because I have a week to write it, which is fine. I'll get it done. But I was like, wow, this is a page-long prompt. I mean, I I have a, a bias against art galleries because I there's no way I'm ever going to be able to hang a Van Gogh in my double-wide So, because um, they've taken them all. And that's, <laughs> it's just unfair. <laughs> that's a good reason to be against them. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not against them per se. I'm joking. I'm but... Joking. I, when I was at Bourbon and Beyond, they had this gallery. I'm mm-hmm. saying that with quotes. And it was a pop-up building that was just like um bare basics bone structure. Like I thought it was gonna I thought it, it was gonna flop over with the wind. Mm-hmm. And they were selling artwork by different 
musical artists. So it had like a bunch of John Lennon uh, sketches oh, and stuff yeah. like that. And it was like really expensive stuff. Or at least they were rallying it as super expensive. But I was like, it was a curator's nightmare walking in there. Because I was like, nothing was protected. It was all out to the elements. The building was going to collapse. I was like, I stopped and paused. I was like, this is horrible. Who this is doing this? sound just like a bad dream. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> like, it, yeah. it literally looked like a shed. If, if the building had been nicer, I would have called it a shed. I mean, but maybe, maybe it was worse than a shed. Maybe that's your your what you need to write about is like instead of what you do, it's like definitely what you don't do. <laughs> don't do it easy up with you know your most valuable pieces inside of it. Um, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> You've got this paper; it's as good as done. Yeah, it's it's writing it and making it sound professional is the hard part. Because usually, what I did in undergrad was I would make my outline and then turn on diction on my um, computer and talk to my computer mm-hmm. and then edit out and make it all look nice. Oh, but clever. when you're working with more academic language and mm-hmm. more complex topics, I can't just talk it out. I yeah. have to like write down notes and figure out what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You consider the words as they're coming mm-hmm. out. Yeah. As somebody from the age of uh, typewriters, I don't have any sympathy for you. <laughs> That's really fair. That's really fair. I went to college with an electric, a selectric. Yeah, yeah. Like well, a usually, portable typewriter. Well, usually I handwrite everything and then type it out because I like the grading. Like I like to grade myself yes, handwritten. Yes. Um, but no, yeah. I, I, you, you know, I adore you, and I'm just, I'm just being funny because um, you are a great writer. And Thanks. however you do it, it's working. <laughs> and I actually, I was like, oh, that's really clever. I don't know that I'd be able to do that myself because I've just been so trained otherwise. But you're now in this flow of doing the speech. I would purposely angle all my tech- papers to be about something I'm really passionate about. So I just yeah. info dump to my computer about yeah. it. <laughs> well, when you're passionate about something, you're just like, I'm like, wow, <laughs> we could have six shows on this. Yeah. And I we can't will. wait for you to come on talking about pirates. What's the next? Yeah, that's what I was going to introduce. Yeah. Sorry. Pir- oh. Pirates. Yeah. Pirates. Yeah. Isn't that what I said? That's yeah. coming up on the... 19th. What? 19th. I'm going to be talking about pirates. <clears throat> gay pirates. Yes. yes. <laughs> Justin, speaking of yeah. gay pirates. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you don't want to know. Uh, no, this- <laughs> I'm good. They call him Hook for a reason. I- <laughs> Bencarrot.com. <laughs> I, I'm just with Cal. It, this week has been so long, I don't even remember it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Just kind of like, oh, what's going on? I only said partial about my week. Like, I had other stuff that went on. It was a whole big deal. And, like, yeah. last Friday, I spent my whole day researching stuff for the County History Center. Yeah. The LGBTQ you, plus collection You were there a drive. long time. Yeah. And when does that open again? I mean, that's it's planned way out. Okay. We're doing it's like planned. we're just doing research right now, right? But it was like, you know, when you research something and then it turns out way worse than you thought it was, and then it's like, this is awful. Humans are awful. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was my Friday. Right. <laughs> that's it's been that sort of week. I think just with the new everything, it was just like, wow, humans are really awful. My research has been proving that as well. <laughs> But of course, uh, I mean, just scraping the internet for news 
every week is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's rather demoralizing you're curating the news yeah, yeah. how how was your week yeah anyway yeah. so we got news okay we got news <laughs> <laughs> so i went to um we we had the protector people booth at mm-hmm. uh um Columbus Pride and Columbus Pride was wonderful. And it was a little sparse and it was a little too short, but it's great that they're putting that on. They've got exciting news coming up. IYG, I think, is opening up mm-hmm. a project in Columbus now. They they waited to announce that um there. And so IYG is expanding as well. Um which is fantastic. Talked to a lot of really great and interesting people. Uh, I am coming around to Columbus. I mean, they're it's still Columbus, <laughs> but uh, and it's named after Columbus. But um, <laughs> <laughs> right, but it didn't ask to which, be. I you mean, know, are you being unfair to the city? No. Okay. No. But it has <laughs> it's got pretty architecture. It's, I know. It's, it's it's all, I and it's, I have a friend from there. That's all I can about give it. It still doesn't make up for the the anti queer, hateful, racist. Is there a lot of that there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. strangely, I know that we're so close to it, and I was born here, but I have not been there very often. Exactly. Yeah. But even in Brown County, I talked to some people from Brown County who are still kind of in hiding, um, and. Because of certain sentiments and such against the queer community, and I talked to them about, you know, how how they can reach out and how they can um, uh, disseminate information in a safe way, because people are horrible. Um, I would say a minority minority of people are horrible. Uh, some people are indifferent. For the most part, people are okay. But, he, but you know, it's it's Brown County. Yeah, there's like no institutional support. Yeah. And um, and so people are trying to support queer folks and, and kids as much as they can. I mean, kids are folks, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it's just hard. It's just hard for them. So they're they're so much. Uh, there's so much grassroots going on trying to help people and um you know columbus was the site of uh the cummins uh diesel company and for Mm -hmm. what a couple decades now they've had an lgbtq uh group within the cummins uh factory that has been going gangbusters and has been you know speaking up to legislators and talking about what needs to happen in business circles and talking to, you know, Cummins uh, corporate and being like, look, you really have to, to stand behind your workers and stand against these policies that are coming through. And to their credit, Cummins as a corporation has been really, really um, friendly uh, and supportive of their LGBTQ folks. So, Last year, I got to talk with the woman who started that, and uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, so I can't remember my name off the top of my head most of the time, but uh, she sat down and talked to me for a good half hour last year, and it was just so interesting that there's where there is a lot of um, pressure against you, 
a lot of people are more energized to rise up, right? Mm -hmm. True, yeah. And uh, to push back. What's the famous quote? I'm going to mangle it, but something like, through suppression, great art comes, and that is not the yeah. quote. No, but, <laughs> but I can't remember it, so it's close enough. It's your quote. It's my quote. It's yours now. Although, although I would do a better job. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, just, Dang. There is, there is a quote. Yeah. Such as that. And, and I think it is true. If, if you look at the really intense artistic periods throughout history, there's always something really dark and evil going on, you know? Yeah. And it's really the people that have all the courage to come out with it. Well, and, and any kind of progress comes out of that. Any kind of like dramatic progress comes out of that sort of opposition. Mm -hmm. Um, cause when people are comfortable, it's kind of like Bloomington, right? Yeah. People are comfortable. We don't, we don't have, you know, this, this impending doom. So we're just living our lives. But when we're being threatened, that's when we, we have to take action, you know? Um, it's just that lag time between oppression really mm -hmm. kicking in and the time you get for organizing against it. Yeah. Uh, and we're kind of in that right now. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I mean, that might lead us into the McCarthy conversation too. Okay, go for uh, it. So, <laughs> well, you were you were just listening to the uh, the little McCarthy TikTok TikTok okay. thing. So there is a TikTok that I found on uh, the app, obviously, and it is the one of the ending scenes from Mean Girls. But it, the captions were all about the events happening uh, leading up to the stop of the, well, p delay of the government shutdown vote mm -hmm. and uh, McCarthy being replaced. And it, it down to setting the fire alarm. It's very accurate and it's very <laughs> funny. Because um, what, basically what happened was the government was about to shut down. Uh, far right Republicans couldn't agree with moderate Republicans and then the Democrats didn't agree with any of the Republicans. Um, and so they just weren't coming to a compromise, all pretty much due to the due to the far right Republicans. Like they're the ones who are pretty much at fault. The Freedom Caucus, yes, um, that doesn't allow freedom, right? Yes, yeah, <laughs> um, So they were holding back on the spell, and like it was going to be the largest government shutdown ever. Mm -hmm. um, and McCarthy went to uh, hold the vote, the, like the final vote, with like. Less than eight hours left. None of the Democrats were in the chamber. Uh, he held it without telling them, which mm -hmm. is somehow totally legal. And so the aides were like running around with like chickens with their heads cut off to get everyone in the, in the, uh, chamber for voting. And, uh, because of that rush, uh, represent a representative, uh, pulled the fire alarm in the U.S. Capitol. Uh, so everyone had to evacuate in a bottom two hours worth of time so everyone could actually be there for the vote. And so they're able to vote on the stopgap bill that yeah. gives you four, gives us 40, 45 well, days. Finish reading it and vote on it. I mean, yeah. because they, they were just, it was thrown at them and they're given this, you know, uh, I forget how many pages, 90 mm -hmm. some page stopgap measure thing and they didn't give them enough time to read it. Well, what are you voting on then? You know, mm -hmm. so you have to, you have to have all the information otherwise, because they were trying to yeah. slide in all kinds of garbage mm -hmm. and super heavy cuts to everything, you mm -hmm. know, social security to, you know, children's lunches to everything. Just cut it all, 
and oh, we're, we're cutting spending. Well, if you hadn't given away all the tax cuts to the richest people in, in the world, um, you know, maybe the government would have some money to actually take care of the people like we did back in the 50s and 60s that you all like that era that you're all like, you know. Yeah, they did not create that era, over. by the way. Yeah. You know, that's like FDR and the New Deal and the Socialist Democrats. Yeah. You know. Well, but what I'm saying is bill. like they had 90 percent uh, tax taxes on income for the super wealthy, mm-hmm. super wealthy, yeah. not everybody, just the super wealthy. And we keep hearing that, oh, we need tax cuts, tax cuts. Well, it's not happening to people who are middle class and below that. Those people are getting tax increases. Exactly. Um, but you know, they, they of course make it sound like that. So we would have money for all these measures mm-hmm. that they were trying to cut. Sorry, tangent, but you know, It's good that it was put off, but now McCarthy is out. So, okay. So the stopgap bill stops the government shutdown for 45, 40 days? 41 or 45 or something like that. So until November. Uh, So they have a few more. They have about a month now to like figure everything out. So we'll see what happens. But because of all these shenanigans, (laughs) um, Matt Gates, of all people, mm. was like, we need to kick McCarthy, who's the Speaker of the House, out um, because he is not doing what we far-right Republicans want him to. Now, the Democrats also don't like McCarthy. Um, and McCarthy overall is just kind of a weak leader. It took him how many times to be elected? Yeah, insane. Like, he was not popular whatsoever. Um, so they voted him out. And this is the first time a House Speaker has been a House, yeah, House Speaker yeah. has been voted out of his position ever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, craziness happening. Um. So they have an interim chair, but they're going to vote on a new person. So everyone's putting their hats at like. And they're talking the about room. Trump coming in to to. Yeah, because the Speaker of the House does not have to be a member of Congress technically, but they also can't have been indicted on a felony. Yeah. And Trump has been indicted on 91 felonies. Well, that's not a felony. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's this is true. <laughs> he's an overachiever. Which is apparently okay. Yeah. Um, shows that he's he's working hard. Uh, <laughs> the thing that is scary is, so, so he wasn't, McCarthy wasn't, radical enough mm-hmm. for the far right for the freedom caucus people and the, that's matt gates and um bobert, uh, bobert and yeah oh, i see i can't say their names without yeah, throwing right. up a little in my mouth and uh you know they they have back when we were young i'm gonna get into these years <laughs> back when we were young <clears throat> People actually worked together to mm-hmm. actually take care of legislation that needed to happen for America to run. Because that's how democracy works. It's how it's supposed to, yeah. yeah. And now it's absolutely obstructionist, you know, the Mitch McConnell, like, we're going to block every single piece of legislation that comes through. Like, that's not, you're not doing anything. Right. All you're doing is stopping things from happening. Happening. 
And if we don't get what we want, we're going to stomp our feet and throw a tantrum and, you know, grow the yeah. heck up, yeah. people. Almost had to have a beep there. <laughs> um, grow up. But it's being run by children. Right. And and it doesn't... Well, technically, it's people who prey on children. True. Because Matt Gates is a predator. He... Is indeed well what? an alleged predator. Alleged, yes. He is hasn't he? been convicted, yes. unlike uh the president who is uh definitely a you know, rapist. So uh the former president. Oh, I was gonna say what, well, what? I don't <laughs> yeah. former president. Former, oh, former. Well, I'm talking about orange face here. Orange face. Got it. <laughs> That's a, like a Batman villain. He um, is. Oh he's he really is though, isn't he? But so the government is supposed to work together and McCarthy for all of his faults for not being trustworthy, for being a spineless twit actually advanced some things. He got some things through and that wasn't good enough because he they made, wanted the shutdown. They wanted to have this yeah, leverage. They, they won the shutdown so they could turn around and blame it on Democrats, mm-hmm. um, which is a wild take, but when someone only listens to Fox News or Breitbart or Newsmax, yeah, that's what they would have been told. Um, I do think it's interesting that they do all of this and they still get voted into their seats. Like, you're all acting as children. People love the Kardashians. Some of the worst acting people in all the senses of acting in the world. And, you know, here is this wildly popular TV show based on, what was it, a sex tape? And, <laughs> and drama. And that's it. Their whole brand is drama. And people have kept them going for how many years now? Mm-hmm. Americans why, why need to grow up. <laughs> not that politics was ever boring, because that's a privileged take, but... Why are politicians celebrities? Right. They shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> they should be they should be boring. They should be getting stuff done. They should be working in the background to keep, you know, people moving and the economy moving and people protected and that's what is should be happening. So what's this going to do? What is this going to do to LGBTQ rights or anybody yeah. else's rights in the world? So the Freedom Caucus is rabidly anti-LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are preaching against us, calling us all sorts of names, and putting forth all sorts of legislation. They're a very powerful minority. Very powerful minority. Um, and mostly it's through this sort of bullying and mm-hmm. uh, um, maneuvering. This is why it's important <laughs> to vote them out. We have a couple in the state of Indiana who are, you know, representatives who are are wretched. They're foul. We can definitely vote those people out. We can do that. Uh, we just have to come together and do it in numbers. But so many people are disaffected. But if they get a speaker in there who just decides to hold the government hostage... Because nothing gets through the house without the speaker. 
Or if they don't have a speaker and the house just lingers in limbo forever, nothing gets passed. Nothing gets passed. Mm -hmm. You can't function as a government without a speaker of the house. And if they can't vote anybody in, then the government shuts down and all legislation shuts down. It goes back to states to legislate uh, different things, which that's not great. And they're going to hold the country hostage. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we simply can't allow that. Um, however, uh, <laughs> we'll see how that turns out. That's, that's, now is the time when we really need to become, uh, and I preach it all the time, you know, we, we need to become aware of what's going on legislatively mm-hmm. because this affects everyone's lives. It affects all of us. Um, we have coming up here an interview that we did on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the, the crew is uh, doing their final practice now for the Laramie Project from Stages Bloomington. As they open so tomorrow night. They open tomorrow night. Very exciting. So if you've never heard of the Laramie Project, it is about the community response after the torture and murder of Matthew Shepard in 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's being put on by t- Stages Bloomington, which is a youth, correct? Youth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, theater group. Everybody's high school age. Yeah. So they open up tomorrow, and you guys have more information about that. I know I was talking to Justin about it the other day because we were looking at, at buying tickets. At yeah, work. we'll let we'll let Devin uh, say it because he's he's the big uh, director. Mm-hmm. Devin May. Yes, and do we have everybody introduce themselves? I can't remember. Yeah, they yeah, were, we did. Okay, so we don't need to do that, right? No, no. We had a wonderful interview. It was fantastic. Really bright students. They're playing uh, Tomorrow It Opens, which is the 25th anniversary mm-hmm. of Matthew Shepard's beating and uh, and them finding him the next day. And, um, um, yeah, and then it, there are two shows on Saturday and then one on Sunday. And from my understanding, on Saturday, Matthew Shepard's father will be there? Matthew, they're working on the, yeah, they're working okay. on the technical issues of getting him you know, piped through on mm-hmm. Zoom so that people can talk with him uh, for the evening show. So, uh, roll tape. <laughs> Welcome to Bling Out. It's wonderful to have you here. Look, okay, so we're starting off at the beginning. Everybody introduce yourselves. I'm Melanie Davis. I'm Justin Robertson. My name is Devin May. I am the director of Stages Bloomington's production of The Laramie Project. Awesome. Very good. Howdy. Uh, Vincent Cook. Also, we'll go by Vinny for this. I play... Do I lift them all off? If you want to. <laughs> sure, then. Uh, Aaron McKinney, Marge Murray, and Amanda Gronich, and I can't remember the other one. Several characters. <laughs> Several characters. There we go. My turn. Cowabunga. I'm Veronica. Um, I play so many characters. Impossible to keep count, honestly. I'm carrying this production on my shoulders. <laughs> Humble, I see you're today. a star, aren't oh my you? God, absolutely. Yeah, I can tell. I see star quality. I see star quality in both of you. And so, Devin, are these two so good that they have to have multiple parts? Oh, yeah. Well, 
Um, you know, all of the actors that we have are so good uh, that they're all playing multiple parts. Okay. So it's um, not just you like two. There's 40 roles in the show. Yeah, there's, okay. well... 40 roles? I think uh, in, listed in the script, there's 65 plus characters. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, for our production... We could only take the best of the best. We yeah. couldn't. We couldn't bring all sixty-five actors in. Right. Um, yeah. So we have a cast of eleven, and all of the actors are playing between like four and eight characters. Yeah. Wow, that's great. There's some talented mm. actors. I'm on yes. the low end. <laughs> You're on the low end. <laughs> a lot of mediocre accent work on my end. <laughs> oh, let's hear some. Oh God. Uh, um. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah, you might get to hear that one. Do you, you want to have a full conversation? I'm not sure what you're. What, what is that accent? Is that Eastern or Western, like Wyoming? Um, actually, it's dead center Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kind of a, a mix. Yeah. Really now? I didn't roll my windows down going through Central Wyoming at so, all, so oh. I wouldn't know. I'd, so this is uh, the Laramie Project. Mm-hmm. That's the play that you're doing. Correct. Can you tell us a little bit about that play and why it was chosen as a stages production? Yes. So the Laramie Project is a play that is uh, created by the Tectonic Theater Company. Um, and it's about the events around uh, the murder and beating of uh, Matthew Shepard 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um so the play is in a uh, documentary theater style, which means that this theater company went out to Laramie, Wyoming, and they interviewed all these people in the town. Oh. Um, and so these 65 characters are actual townspeople from Laramie, Wyoming, who were interviewed by the company. And then um, those interviews were compiled into the Laramie Project script. So the dialogue is actual. Everything. It's word verbatim. For words. Wow. Yeah. It's verbatim from primary source interviews and other sort of uh, primary source materials around that time. Good and the bad and the ugly were all said. Oh, yeah. So, so it's all, it's an oral history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Does it deal with the town and their reaction to Matthew's tragic murder? Yes. So that's a, yeah, so. Yeah, these interviews all took place in the aftermath of the murder. So we're, we're hearing kind of a description of the events as well as the reactions from all sorts of different townspeople. And we really get all kinds of different perspectives on the events. And the interesting thing is that Matthew Shepard himself isn't even a character because I mean, like obviously his life was taken. No one got to interview him. So it's kind of. A lot of different perspectives on who he is uh, as a person, and some of those are going to be very conflicting based mm-hmm. on everyone around him's perception. Yeah, right? and, the, and the play really begs us to draw our own conclusions about who he was as a person, what events transpired that night, etc. You will hear some not beautiful takes on certain things, and that's from everyone's different perspective, and you basically have to make your own based on it, so... Mm-hmm. Do expect it to use some harsher language with what people say. So, okay, also, that's good. Sorry. Oh, it's, no, go on. It's also very like grounded in humanity. Um, one thing I think that's really cool about the play and like the way we're doing it is that everyone is treated just, you know, as a real life human person. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's good and bad in everyone. And it tried to not turn anyone into a caricature of themselves. I think, which is a good thing. I think that's really important when doing that kind of storytelling, you know, because it could have been dramatized, right? Mm -hmm. It could have been something that was pumped up 
but I think it's more powerful because it's not. It's completely true to the source. Yeah. Um, kind of going off the back of all those comments, um, the play, uh, the play really represents a balanced view of, of the hate and the love that was present in the aftermath of the events. So, um, our kind of point of view about all of this, you know, language, this really, um, powerful, like heavy language, heavy subject matter is that the, the hate that's present in the play, um, is meant to, increase the urgency of our call to action, if that makes sense. So if we were to water down any, any of that language, any of the representation of hate, then it makes the urgency uh, lesser. It lessens the sort of message. It weakens it. Yep. Speaking of call to action, you're, um, this isn't just a play to be put on it. It is also a call. It is a, um, you're putting it out there in the universe that people need to actually take action mm-hmm. and, and that in very real ways. So uh, what are some of the things that you have put together? I know we, we talked about some sources and things like that. What I know at the end of the show, you're planning on doing a call out and yeah. you, you explain it. Yeah. Well, we've been having these conversations from the very beginning of rehearsal, talking about what we want our message our call to action to be. Do you guys want to talk about any of those conversations at all? Well, we were very scared that our audience in Bloomington would be primarily white liberals Mm. who would show up and they would watch the play and they'd give themselves like a little pat on the back and be like, oh, wow, so good. I supported theater and I supported these gay little children. And now I'm going to (laughs) go home and do nothing. And Mm. we don't want to do that. Um, We want to like... Uh, support organizations or get them to support causes and stuff. Yeah. Cause I think a, a big part of our conversation too has been drawing the line between the issues that were present 25 years ago mm-hmm. in this story and the things that we're facing here and now. And we have, we've been seeing a increase in hate crime across the country. There are several bills coming through like the Indiana state legislature mm-hmm. that are targeting, um, you know, queer children, trans children. There have been certainly laws that have been trying to come through, and one of them was certainly lessened, but that did not deny its impact in schools. I always forget what it's called. You're talking about House Bill 1608. 1608. Thank you. Only knows them all. I lived them for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. 1608, the one that basically says if you tell basically any adult or teacher that you're gay, they're going to have to report it to the principal or others. Mm -hmm. That one certainly affects a lot of people not realizing it. And it was worse, but that does not, even though we've made it better, does not deny its effect on others. Hmm. It's also interesting that it's impacting a lot of cis children too, because there'll be girls in my class and they'll be like, oh, my name is Bailey, but I go by Bay. And then they have to like have a conversation with like the principal about that or oh something. I mean, I get why they have to do it because it, they can't come right out and be like, this is trying to stop trans children from like transitioning, from existing, from getting the help they need. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, some sort of cover. It, it seemed like a, a intentional uh, messing with the system like uh, that. Uh, wow, it just escaped me. Malicious. Malicious intent. 
malicious compliance and you know weaponizing their own weapon against them and so unfortunately it does affect teachers and administrators who have to put it into effect but yeah. there were people like coming up and saying you know kids are coming up and saying i'm sorry students not yeah. kids mm. we're coming up and saying my nickname is this is what i want to go by and that has to be written down and that has to be reported and that has to go through the whole process because it is a, a change mm. to what's on their birth certificate and yeah there have been some loopholes um obviously i'm not going to name any like teacher names mm-hmm. but um like the gsa at my school for example there's like a teacher who like you know watches over us um mm. And since she doesn't technically have any of us as students, we're not on like a Canvas page. Mm -hmm. And so we do a thing where we go around, we like say our names, we say our pronouns so that we can be alerted if anything changes. Um, And she just is like, well, I don't know if any of you are like going by a different name because I don't have you on Canvas and I can't like pull you up. So that's one thing. Um. Or like there's a one teacher who she's very cool. Um. And she was like, if any of you like happen to maybe like write down like something with your name or your pronouns on it, like somewhere and just like accidentally leave it here. And I saw it, you know, that wouldn't be you telling me. So it's like loopholes like that. I've heard of another teacher who decided to call all of the students by their last names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, right. as a form of protest, they had to report every single student. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I hope that the message gets to the right people mm-hmm. um, because what that shows, what that, that upswell of support and protest shows is just how wrong minded that sort of legislation is and how it, it's not going to pass on to the next generations. There's the production itself. <clears throat> What's that done for you all who are directing and acting in it? What is, what is that brought up within you? How is that uh, informed how you feel about the world and how you feel about this? event did you know about it beforehand i i was not familiar with the incident if i'm being honest that was something that was never really brought up to me and in sort of this informing me really put i guess into perspective how bad hate can really get um i had heard of the play before but actually not the hate crime um in my theater arts class, we were reading over monologues, uh, and I found the one that is an excerpt from Matthew's dad's uh, court transcript when mm. – I forget what the name is, like what he was doing. Um, um, but where he's basically deciding whether or not uh, Aaron McKinney gets the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Um And I read it and I was like, wow, this is really, really impactful. Like it brought tears to my eyes reading it. And I didn't realize it was about a real person for the longest time. So I got the email about this play and I was like, this sounds kind of familiar. And then I realized and I was like, oh, my God, Um, it's been for sure a crazy experience. Uh, I think one thing that's really reinforced for me is how much we need to support queer people in small rural towns and how much we need to not give up on everyone else in those towns. Because I see so much like online and in person, I see so much like oh, like this state is so red. It's so bad. Like everyone there is so homophobic and bigoted. Just get out. Mm -hmm. But you can't just do that, you know? Um, Like there's so many good people and there's so many people who, sure, they may not not, like know the politically correct thing to say. Like maybe they're going to be like, yeah, like I'm like fine with faggots and stuff. And maybe they're a straight person. And like, that's okay because they still support us, you know? Like it's not, it's about the sentiment behind it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, may I make a 
say something here? Uh, sort of what I'm getting from this is there are bad actions. There's no truly bad person. There are certainly some terrible things people can do, and there clearly can be terrible intentions behind it, but no one person can be truly just completely evil. Oh, like, and also, like, uh, in, like, eighth grade, uh, I read, like, Just Mercy. And there's also a monologue in um, The Laramie Project that is a guy who is in prison. And he's talking about how people are, like, bidding on Aaron and Russell, who were the people who committed the hate crimes. And they're saying, like, I will, like, trade these cigarettes, like, to, like, rip them or, like, to beat them up or something. You have to feel, like a little sympathy for these people, even if you like have fully committed yourself to like, no, they did this horrible thing. They are like horrible people and they don't deserve any redemption. Like, I don't know, that was a kid and like they had like a nickname and they had like a life before this. And like you said, the the play humanizes these people. But at the same time, it um, brought so much recognition and there was so much publicity around the Laramie Project case that there's interviews with Aaron and Russell afterwards when they're in jail and they're like, we don't think we're ever getting out because our names are now attached to this forever. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's it's a thing. It's certainly a thing. As the person who is playing one of the accused, it is certainly something. I will not say that I forgive him, but he can hopefully be a person over time. I just have issues with this oh, person. No, as also, well. I mean, like as a Jewish person, he there's an interview where he says. I got Nazi tattooed on my back in the, not in the play, but afterwards. And I was like, oh, oh, yikes. Yeah, that's a big yikes. He's like, it was in this really cool old English lettering. I'm like, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was wondering the same thing that um Melanie had asked is if you had known about the Matthew Shepard case, because 25 years ago, that just really sort of rocked our world. But that was long before you but nobody talks about it yeah it's weird like that's only 25 years ago yeah. and now it's like it's been completely washed away by like current events even though it felt like it made like a huge impact yeah and part of the reason for doing this play now is that it is actually the 25th anniversary of yeah. matthew shepherd's murder our opening night performance i think is the day that he was found oh is yeah. that right yeah and that's this friday right yep that's yep. this friday the sixth Wow. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I had a question for you two, actually. Sure. Um, why do you think that the Matthew Shepard case gained so much recognition? Because this thing had to be happening, like, all the time to gay people. I think that's a really excellent question. Yeah. it's but, Gay bashing was a huge thing. Um, Bash Back was a group that formed was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Pink Panthers and these groups mm-hmm. that existed to protect and kind of intimidate uh, people who would be, you know, attackers because it was easy to attack us. Yeah. It was just fine to. Yeah. Society would every night. you differently. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be called names just by people driving by. So I, I think that that's a really good question. Um, but I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, Melanie, or if you feel differently, I do feel that some progress had been made by mm-hmm. that time. Oh, yeah. And I don't think people had really thought that, these attacks would lead in death, you know, just so long as people were attacked and insulted and all of that, but not necessarily left out in the open to die. There was a brutality that hadn't, I mean, 
you know, oh, it's New York. People who die are killed all the time. You know, they, if somebody's found in an alley or something, eh, whatever. Right. Um, it gets passed over today. Nobody cares. But this was in a small rural town, and that hit home for a lot of people. Location, I think you're right. Yeah. And and the fact that he <laughs> didn't want to cry. What had happened to him was so unimaginably cruel. You know, the the whole process of it. It wasn't just like a bashing and run. I mean, there was there was a lot of thought that went into that. There was a lot of action, a lot of right. uh, thought about action that went into what happened even before it began. There was a clear, well, not clearly a lot of thought put into it, but there was clearly a lot of thought about action as it happened. Premeditation. Premeditation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The story of how it happened, too, it's very confusing, actually. It definitely had some conflicting views from, like, every sort of stand. There's, even today, I'm not sure if there's one clear story as to how and why it happened. Mm -hmm. You can make assumptions and guesses based on the puzzle pieces you have, but they don't always fully fit into place and will probably never know the full and true story of how it happened because I'm not even sure if the accused are willing to say how it truly happened. Right. And I think that that played into why it became such a big deal too. Yeah. There was a lot about that narrative. What was the narrative of what happened? Also, I think in no small part, the shepherds, Matthew's parents Yeah. <sighs> were amazing. <laughs> I still like cry when I think about his mother and the things that she went on television and said at a time that usually the parents were sort of embarrassed by this sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, as horrible as that is, they've been true advocates and they just really spoke out. And that was a beautiful, amazing thing. It must have taken a huge amount of bravery to do that. Exactly. It did. It did. And you spoke to Matthew's we father. We spoke yeah. to Dennis. He, that is so great. He, he was. He reminded a, me of my grandfather. He was a great <laughs> person. Yeah. He was a very caring and great person. But our <laughs> our audiences will be able to speak with Dennis too. We have yeah. uh, just kind of finalized the details to bring him to do a talk back after our Saturday evening performance. Oh yay! That's wonderful. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! So. Provided all the tech comes through, we will we will get him on a Zoom call on a screen in the theater, and we'll be able to have a conversation with our audiences. So make sure to That's book that one. Yeah, <laughs> Saturday night. So it opens. It should be sold out. It opens Friday night. It opens yeah. Friday night, October sixth, seven Wait. p.m. performance time. Okay, and then it runs through. Yes, so we have uh, two shows on Saturday the seventh, two p.m. and seven p.m., and then we close with a. Sunday matinee, 2 p.m. Um, you can get tickets at the Buskirk Chumley website, and we're performing at the Waldron Auditorium. Which is a great place to, to perform. Devin was actually in the important of being, the importance of being earnest there. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's one of my favorite plays. Previously seen. It was so good. He was so funny. He ate so many biscuits. So. <laughs> were you Algernon? I was Jack. Jack. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jack's the one. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's been a, it was a whole Oscar Wilde like uh, season. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Here in Bloomington. 
Thank you so much for coming in. And yes, I know you've you. got to get to your practice. I didn't want to like. <laughs> hey, it's fine. Uh, I'm glad you could have us. Yes, thank <laughs> oh, you so much absolutely. for having us. Yes, we love what you're doing, and I'm very excited to see the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Very thank, much. you. Again, and thank you for having us. Break lots of legs. Break All of your legs. <laughs> All the legs, maybe some of the audience as well. You have to say that in a New York accent. <laughs> what? Break, break your freaking legs. Oh, break, break your, your, break break your, your legs. legs. <laughs> yeah. All right. Take care. Thank you both. Hey. Ooh. <laughs> they were such great people to have on the show. Yeah. Lots of, lots of, uh, I, I love actors. They're <laughs> always ready to be on and going. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that, that means we can step back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what, what did, you did a great job of interviewing. I, oh, well, thank you. I, um, I don't know. I was really in, I'm really into the show. I, um, have always been very affected by the Matthew Shepard case. As yeah. I think people of our generation in particular are. And then so when I see a younger generation who wasn't even alive then be affected by that, that's uh, very powerful for me. And I could have talked to them for hours about it, probably. <laughs> Yeah, and getting their take. I would love to speak with like all of the actors about their takes mm-hmm. on it and right. how they feel as people who grew up in a world where it was already glossed over. Right. And um but also a world that hasn't been as virulently queerphobic in their upbringing as ours was. Um Correct. but is descending into that. Br- Right, but in some ways, like it seems worse all of a sudden. Well, it's it's definitely more rhetorically violent, right? And but in reality, too, there was the journalist who was uh, threatened and just killed the gay journalist. There's, uh, we got more stuff. I want to I want to talk probably right. next week on um, all the stuff that's been happening in schools with uh, uh, bomb threats and uh, malicious firings and all this other stuff that's been going on. The journalist's name was Josh Kruger. Yes. I just want to make sure we say his name. So, yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it, and again going back to the McCarthy thing and the Matt Gates and and Bobert and and MTG. Um, the these are are we going to descend further, or can we? back out of this right have they hit the bottom and now we're gonna go well, i don't know I, in terms of these clowns right. <laughs> is the type of thing that i never thought to see in government um but, but you know like he was talking about the thread that runs through mm-hmm. and it's you know we, we had tons of anti-gay uh rhetoric and hate transgender wasn't really on people's uh minds back then but it's the same thing recycled and uh and it is it's now just going after the whole community um and and i hate to see it but i think it's an important show and they're going they're doing the shout outs at the end they're going to have they have an insert um uh with uh information and places you can go to to become more involved and uh to take action because that's that's the thing right is to not only view it and be moved, but then to be moved to action. Right. So there's, there's that, uh, at the end of each show is called action. Now that 
it runs through the weekend, Friday through Sunday. And uh, cost is um, $21 for adults. And uh, it's reduced for students. Twelve fifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. So that's doable. It's not, it's not a bad <laughs> yeah. uh, amount. And the kids are, I say kids, I keep saying kids, the students, the, the actors. Um, I, I've known one of them since she was way little. Is uh, that Veronica? Yeah. Each other. She was sharp as a tack. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and they both were yeah. Vincent and Veronica. Yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're on top of it. And this, this means something to, you yeah. know, them. This is, this is, it's not just a show. It's something that's a personal, you know, that they are passionate about. Yeah. And they are moved by. Yeah. So that, that helps too. Plus, I mean, they're just, you know, smart students, smart, smart actors. Um, but anyway, that, that, Go and see it, folks. Um, hoping tomorrow I'll still have a ticket left because <laughs> I, I I would like to go. Um, there's other stuff going on this weekend. Uh, Spencer Pride on Saturday, mm-hmm. right? So that's going on uh, between 12 and 7 p.m. And they have an after party after that, obviously. That's why it's called an after party. Um, that costs some money. Uh, that I can't remember what the price is, like $10 or something. Cheap. I think it's ten dollars in advance if you pay online. Oh, fifteen at, 15 the... at the door. Okay, that's what it was. Thank you. Don't um, quote me on that, but I'm fairly sure that's what it is. <laughs> but that is going on, which is uh, always Spence Pride's the best, and and it is. It's have... my favorite Pride. Right? No offense, Bloomington, you do a great job too. But I sort of Dang. just like the, the, the smaller community. Yeah. Dang, nice one, Justin. And then uh, <laughs> thank. Uh, Christy Crandall uh, is having a performance uh, and at Sleepers Bar, and uh, that's on uh, next Wednesday on the 11th from uh, uh, 6 to 9, 6 to 7, sorry. Um, I can't do the 24-hour time thing. But we are out of time. Uh, do you want to take the, the support for Blooming Out thing? It is brought to you by Blooming Foods, Justin? <laughs> or do you want me to stumble, I'll stumble through it? You want me to do it? I'll I'll do oh. it. Support for Blooming Foods is brought to you by Blooming or support for Blooming Out is brought to you by Blooming Foods Co-op Market, Blooming Foods Community Owned Cooperative Grocery, uh, supporting local farms and businesses since 1976. Owned by over 8,000 residents across Monroe County and beyond, Blooming Foods offers local, healthy, sustainable, and environmentally sound products. Blooming Foods East is located at 3220 East Third Street by College Mall, and Blooming Foods Near West is uh, located at 316 West Sixth Street near the Square. Uh, get more information at Blooming Foods Co-op. Great job, Melanie. Uh, Blooming Out was a production of WFHB Community <clears throat> Radio and produced by Melanie Davis and Cade Young. Our engineer was Cade Young. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Robertson. I'm Cal Demery. I'm Melanie Davis. And remember, we're here. We're queer. We refuse to live in fear, folks. Be well. Stay safe. Speak truth. Manifest equity. Demand justice. Make good trouble. Love one another. Take the power back. And good night from your Blooming Out family. Night, y'all. Night.